0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. This is The Voo. It's The Voice of One, episode 96. This one for Thursday, April 15, year of our Lord 2021. Woody Cumbie, your host, bringing you the not yet tax day blend of coffee, current events, faith, and FSU sports That's right. Not yet tax day. Normally, April 15 would be the deadline, but no, it's been pushed back, back, back to individuals. Individual filing day is now May 17. So uh, if you've not yet filed, you still have a few more weeks. Uh, Yeah, Thursday. It's a Thursday edition of the VU. I know, normally Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, But this week, Remember, we had one on Tuesday, so it just seemed like Thursday was the next right sequence. So it's a Tuesday, Thursday week. So good to have you guys on board. Uh, Vu might take you by surprise (laughs) on Thursday, but uh, I don't know, maybe you'll find it on Friday. So uh, here it is. Good to have you on board. Now, folks, do not, do not say cheese because uh, it turns out That dairy is racist. Racist. Now, I suppose this should not take us by surprise that cheese is racist. Dairy is racist. Uh, Inherently so, apparently. Because, after all, uh, everything is racist. If you've not yet noticed it, everything is racist. Everything. Um, A coffee can, racist. A uh, ceramic vase, racist. A six-panel door, racist. Uh, yellow goalpost, racist. Uh, gray tile roof, racist. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm talking about it, it. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. It uh, you know somehow uh, turns out to be racist. So why should we be surprised that uh, cheese uh, is racist? Now apparently this is uh, uh, this is English dairy, however. British dairy is, is, is racist. It's not yet racist here uh, in the United States of America, America. But here is the headline from Breitbart. It's a story today in Breitbart by Kurt Zendulka. All right, so here's the headline. Cheese Louise, serving dairy in schools is racist, claims environmentalist. All right, story says, a climate change activist (laughs) has called for schools to stop serving cheese to children, claiming that dairy products are inherently racist. Allison Plowmer, a member of the far-left Extinction Rebellion Group, has launched a petition demanding that the Brighton and Hove City Council introduce a more plant-based meal selection in schools across the coastal English city. And they're calling for a managed transition to two plant-based days in all state-run schools. So uh, now as I read down through this, it's, it's not really clear why Cheese or dairy is inherently racist. There's a there's a comment in here that a lot of people are lactose intolerant, and uh, in fact, they claim 65 percent of the world's population is lactose intolerant. That that's a surprising stat to me. But at any rate, they c- claim that uh, perhaps uh, a large po- uh, portion of those are from. Black, Asian, and minority ethnic communities. Who knew? Uh, And so putting that dairy on the menu is racist. So, uh, yeah, there's that. Now, meanwhile, over at the packing plant, um, no, not that kind of packing plant. I'm talking about the Congress of the United States because they want to pack the Supreme Court. Of course, you knew this all along. Uh, And those of you who didn't know it, we tried to tell you all along that Joe Biden and a Democrat-controlled Congress is going to try to pack the Supreme Court. So here is the headline from TheIntercept.com. House and Senate Democrats plan bill to add four justices to the Supreme Court. All right. So uh, the Constitution allows Congress to set the number of Supreme Court justices. Here's a story by Ryan Grimm, 1M, uh, yesterday evening, 7, 13 p.m. on April 14. Congressional Democrats plan to unveil legislation expanding the size of the Supreme Court on Thursday. Now, I've looked for this, by the way, today, and I can't see that it was actually introduced today. Maybe it was. But anyway, uh, this is, according to three congressional sources, familiar with the closely held measure. And the bill would add four seats to the high court, bringing the total to 13 from the current nine. The bill is led by the House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, in the Senate, the bill is being championed by Ed Markey of Massachusetts. So, what this is really about is the fact that Democrats, when they cannot win, when they do not win, they simply change the rules, and that's that's the basic that's the modus operandi of 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 Democrats. If they if they don't win. With the current set of rules, they just change the game. They change the set of rules. This is either you change the set of rules about how you vote, when you vote, where you can vote. Uh, You change the rules about how votes are taken in the the House of Representatives or the Senate, or you do away with the filibuster, or you pack the Supreme Court. So here, I, I believe the most that, I think 10 is the most Supreme Court justices we've ever had, but of course they want a radical change because they want to get it up to six, uh, 13. Why 13? Because the, there are supposedly currently six of the nine. Six of the nine were appointed by Republicans, and of course, so they want seven appointed by, by Democrats. Now, the, the thing about this is, that the, the six uh, are, aren't necessarily conservatives. The six uh, who were appointed by uh, Republicans, you can't count on them to vote in a conservative way. Just look at John Roberts, right? Now, uh, but on the other hand, uh, you can count 100% on anybody who's appointed by uh, the left to vote right down the line on the left. And so that's one of the big differences. So, but anyway, so they're trying to get it uh, to 13. And all I can do is put that in the category of, we told you so. All right, folks. So I'm going to be back here in just a minute. We have three segments yet today. And they are Follow the Money, Consensus Achieved, and Woke Church Update. All right, back in just a moment with those three segments. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Segment number one follow the money, starting with BLM money. I bring you this from the New York Post. Headline reads, Inside BLM co-founder Patrice kahn Kuller's Million Dollar Real Estate Buying Binge. This written by Isabel Vincent on April 10. Isabel writes this, as protests broke out across the country in the name of Black Lives Matter, the group's co-founder went on a real estate buying binge, snagging four High-end home, four, high-end home, four, high-end homes for 3.2 million in the U.S. alone, according to property records. Patrice kahn Coolers, 37, also eyed property in the Bahamas at an ultra-exclusive resort where Justin Timberlake and Tiger Woods both have homes. The Post has learned luxury apartments and townhouses at the beachfront Albany Resort outside Nassau are priced between 5 million and 20 million according to a local agent. Isabel continues to write in the New York Post and I quote the self-described Marxist last month purchased a 1.4 million dollar home in a secluded road a short drive from Malibu, uh, from Malibu in Los Angeles, according to a report, the 2,370 square foot property features quote S- uh, soaring ceilings, skylights, and plenty of windows in quote with canyon views. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, just follow the money. Uh, we tried to tell you early on, and it was just so hard. I mean, the noise the noise was just so great, and, and it was so hard to believe anything different uh, for most people. But we tried to literally show you the, the websites, give you the links, where you could see that this was primarily a funds-generating bonanza, this BLM. It was a bonanza, both for those uh, who are in the leadership, of course, and also for the Democrat Party, also for the Democrat Party. And we showed you the actual links uh, to those things. So sure enough, here we are, after a year of our streets burning and multiplied millions, maybe billions of dollars in damage, uh, uh, many, many, many people injured and hurt and some killed Uh, And uh, just absolute Russia here at the end of it all of, quote, Black Lives Matter. uh, Do we find that the co-founders are investing uh, in the black community, quote, giving back? Are they uh, do they have some reparation? Do they have some money that they can help with, you know, as part of the one percent? Oh, no. No, no, no. They are uh, on their way to uh, buying four, one, two, three, four uh, luxury mansions and also properties outside the U.S., uh, no doubt for a tax haven. So uh, it turns out it's quite profitable and always has been profitable to be a left-wing activist. Just look at the mansions that are owned by Bernie Sanders. Okay, follow the money number two, getting rich off of COVID. <laughs> All right, so here's this story. I bring you this from uh, The Federalist, and I simply bring you the headline. It's, a, it's an article worth reading uh, by Joy Pullman on April 13 in the Federalist. But here's the headline. Big tech is censoring science because COVID-19 panic made them rich and destroyed their competition. Now, this story uh, keys off of the press conference that was held by Governor DeSantis in Florida where he also brought uh, forth a scientist at his side, uh, three scientists who spoke to um, some of the issues currently surrounding the censorship of any alternate, da- uh, uh, any alternate data, any alternate narrative to the party line narrative. Even if one is a respected and published and decorated and peer-reviewed and recognized uh, scientist and doctor, um, you cannot you cannot put an alternate narrative. You cannot say uh, anything other than the party line about COVID and COVID-19 and about anything related to COVID-19. And so there was a whole press conference that that, um, uh, DeSantis gave with these three uh, scientists from Stanford, Stanford University, Harvard University, and Oxford University. But in the midst of this is the idea that perhaps an underlying motive in this censorship is the fact that big tech got rich off of the lockdown, right? People stayed at home. What were called the laptop class, right? The working class uh, got thrown under the bus. They were thrown a bone by being called essential workers. But the truth of the matter is, it, it, they had to go out into the gale force winds of this supposed pandemic uh, and uh, actually stock the shelves at the supermarket and and wait on folks uh, at, uh, at at the at the checkout line. But uh, the laptop class, they got to sit on their couch at home and, 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 and Google things. And guess what? Big tech made money. Big tech, Amazon, huge profits. Uh, Google search, big profits. So uh, this article suggests that it's hard not to say there may be an underlying motive uh, to why uh, big tech wants to squelch uh, the counter-narrative that would put it, might put an end to the current way of dealing with COVID. Now, that brings me to follow the money number three, and that is uh, this incredible expose by Project Veritas. And what they did was they had two or three times when they secretly, this is what Project Veritas does, they go in with hidden cameras and microphones, and they uh, have somebody go out to lunch with somebody, or they're meeting with somebody at a party, or whatever the case may be, and uh, this particular person speaks openly and freely about what they really think and about what they're really doing. And they've done this with Planned Parenthood and the selling of, uh, of aborted baby parts and those kind of things. Now, in this particular case, um, they busted a CNN technical director. And here's the headline from the Post Millennial Watch. Uh, Project Veritas busts CNN director admitting network praise on COVID fears to drive ratings. Now, because the video has, uh, they're in a restaurant, there's a lot of background noise, it, you, can, you can understand it and see it, and it's got subtitles if you're watching it. I don't want to play the audio, though. It's too, a little bit too muddy, uh, I think, for you to hear. But here are some of the quotes from uh, this person uh, who is a technical director at CNN. His name is Charles Chester. And uh, in the Postmillennial, here's how he is quoted. Uh, he says, COVID gangbusters with ratings which is why we constantly have the death toll on the side, right? (laughs) All right, and then he goes on to say uh, he actually, you know, wanted the death toll to be higher in order to increase the network's ratings, right? So he said, uh, yeah, he said we're basically just say, let's make it higher. Why isn't this isn't high enough, you know? Uh, And so... (laughs) He said, you know, it's, uh, it's like, what in the world am I rallying for? Uh, that's a problem that we're doing that, you know? But he goes on to say, it's fear. Like, fear really drives the numbers. Speaking of TV ratings, fear is the thing that keeps you tuned in. And then he uses the old uh, TV adage, news adage, if it bleeds, it leads, And then finally with a smirk, he says, no one ever says these things out loud, but it's obvious. So ladies and gentlemen, just follow the money, follow the money, and uh, it will help you come to perhaps different conclusions than, uh, than the average person. All right, brief break, back with two quick final segments. Welcome back to segments three and four, which is Consensus Achieved and Woke Church Update. Let's start with the consensus achieved. <laughs> this is pretty ironic. Uh, I bring you this from Fox News. Uh, this says, the headline says, Johnson & Johnson vaccine pause outrages media across the spectrum. This is a moronic step. This is by Brian Flood of Fox News a couple days ago. It says uh, media members across the political spectrum have come together in agreement to bash the decision by the FDA and FDC to recommend a pause in the rollout of the Johnson & Johnson COVID 19 vaccine after six instances of severe blood clots in recipients. Quote, six cases, not 6,000 cases, not 600 cases not 60 cases, six cases out of more than 4 million shots delivered. Our public health experts continue to fail us, end quote, conservative Mark Thiessen wrote. Five thirty-eight founder Nate Silver called the decision, quote, a disaster that is, quote, going to get some people killed, end quote. And then, Media Research Center Vice President Dan Gaynor quoted Silver's tweet and said, I can't disagree. Then Keith Olbermann, who has proved to be too liberal even for ESPN, has a similar take. Quote, uh, Olbermann said, you would think that of all people, the FDA would know about the impossibility of putting the toothpaste back in the tube. This is a moronic step based on six cases. Moronic. End quote, Oberman wrote and perhaps the first time he was on the same page with conservatives such as Thiessen and Gaynor. Then it goes on to, quote, left wing uh, former Lincoln Project advisor, Kurt Berdella, uh, saying, quote, this will fuel anti-vaxxer insanity and reinforce vaccination hesitancy in uh, quote. And so, and then it has tweet after tweet after tweet from people on both sides of the spectrum. Now, my point is not whether or not uh, it, you should take the vaccine, not take the vaccine, whether Johnson and Johnson is good or bad. I have no idea. I'm not a scientist, but I can tell you this: this decision, which Fauci has agreed with, uh, is uh, it's united. It's brought consensus. <laughs> to people on the left and the right have finally agreed that the CDC and Fauci are nuts. All right, finally, folks, um, woke church update. Folks, uh, woke church has come to a target near you. I bring you this story from Religion News Service. Uh, Headline says, Why Some Christians Want Target to Stop Carrying a Best-Selling Book of Prayers. Editor Sarah Beasley, or Bessie, and other contributors to A Rhythm of Prayer responded to the backlash with a statement Thursday evening saying critics are missing the point of prayer. And this story is by Emily McFarlane Miller, and she writes, A best-selling book on prayer has some Christians upset and calling on Target stores to remove it from their shelves, as should Walmart and others. Uh, quote, A Rhythm of Prayer, a Collection of Meditations for Renewal. In quote. That's the name of the book. Edited by progressive Christian author Sarah Bessie. Features a number of different types of prayers written by theologians, pastors, and authors from various Christian traditions. It hit the bestseller list in both the United States and Canada when it was released in February. The prayers include in the book include A Benediction by Bessie a uh, prayer based upon a chicken soup recipe by pastor and peacemaker Ashetta Moore, quote, a liturgy for disability, in quote, by author and disability advocate Stephanie Tate, and even blank pages for those times when it feels like, well, there just aren't words. But it is, quote, the prayer of a weary black woman, in quote, by cynical psychologist and womanist theologian, Shaniqua Walker-Barnes, that has caught the attention of Fox News and conservative Christians on Twitter, some tweeting at Target to remove the book from its stores. One line from the prayer, in particular, has caused the backlash. Now, I'm going to actually move away from the story here where I see a photo. I've got a photo of the first page or the the page, not the first page, but the page upon which this particular poem shows up in the book. So I'm looking at a screenshot of the book itself. And this poem, uh, or excuse me, this prayer is called A Prayer of a Weary Black Woman by Shaniqua Walker Barnes, PhD. Dear God, I'm just going, I'm quoting, this is exactly what's written on the page. I'm quoting for what she wrote. Uh, I'm just going to quote the first paragraph of her prayer. Dear God, please help me to hate white people. Now let me read that again. I have not left out a word. I didn't accidentally uh, uh, somehow not read that first sentence correctly. I'm going to read the sentence again. I'm reading it exactly as it's written on the page. Dear God, please help me to hate white people. Or at least to want to hate them. At least I want to stop caring about them, individually and collectively. I want to stop caring about their misguided, racist souls to stop believing that they can be better and that they can stop being racist, all right? So that's the first paragraph of her prayer. Now I'm going to go back to the story from Religion News Service. All right? Now, uh, so this speaks about the fact that the firestorm uh, kind of really is sparked around this particular prayer. So they released a statement, the author of the book, the compiler of the book, Sarah Bessie and others, released a statement and here's what their statement says. Dr. Walker Barnes' prayer is faithful is a faithful honest lament modeled on scripture. It is a gift of intimacy and vulnerability to the church and we're grateful to her. Not only the prayer but for her work and her witness in the world. In quote. The statement reads, All right? Now, uh, then it goes on to say this, and I quote, The backlash that Dr. Walker Barnes is facing because of her prayer ironically serves as proof of why such a prophetic, powerful, and potent prayer is necessary. Now, um, folks, this is the woke church. Uh, I I keep trying to tell you guys about the woke church, and you don't know about it because you don't, I hope, go to a woke woke church. Um, But this is the woke church. And I have been saying and continue to say there's not only going to become a divide, but there's going to become a huge chasm between actual Bible-believing Uh, the true church of Jesus Christ, and the woke church. And the woke church is going to align with the, the Marxist critical race theory agenda of the far left. And they are going to stand in solidarity with those who want to come to your church and put a fence around it and say, you, by believing the Bible, and preaching the truth and believing the truth are somehow uh, espousing hate in our community. Because it's things like this wonderful prayer that I just quoted that is apparently not hateful. You see, it can't be hateful because they're on the woke side. And people on the woke side can't be hateful even if their prayer says, please help me hate white people. It's just a, it's just a wonderful Christian prophetic prayer. Now, guys, I keep trying to tell you, I keep trying to tell you, and uh, I don't know what else to do. I I, I know, especially in some places, we're just going to have some people divide and leave and do different things because they don't get it. They don't see it. Um, But I'm, I'm just I'm praying for you and for me and for all of us just to have discernment not to be swept away into the ridiculousness of what's out there and posing uh, under some Christian label. It's just bizarre. So um, we need to pray for <laughs> our country, and we need to pray uh, for the true church of Jesus Christ. All right, guys. God bless you guys. I appreciate you guys listening in tonight, and uh, I'll be back with you probably on Monday, probably Monday. But who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe a Saturday update. All right, guys. Uh, God bless you. Catch you later.